You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Calm Cove Podcast can help you sleep deeply all night long. Calm Cove has deeply relaxing meditation music and ambient sounds like ocean waves and crackling fires. All of our episodes are designed to help you relax and to fall asleep fast. Calm Cove is brought to you by the team behind Sleep Cove, the sleep podcast that consists of spoken word hypnosis, meditation and stories. So if you want to listen to a beautiful soundscape tonight, search for Calm Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see how we're helping millions of people relax and go to sleep every night. Do you find it hard to sleep at night? Then the Sleep Cove podcast can help you. Hi, I'm Christopher Fitton, the voice and clinical hypnotherapist behind Sleep Cove. Sleep Cove features sleep hypnosis, meditations and bedtime stories, all designed to help those of you who struggle at night to achieve a restful and peaceful night's sleep. Search for Sleep Cove on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and see why Sleep Cove helps millions of people sleep deeply all night long. Hi, I'm coming into the feed today with a special announcement. I've created a spin-off show from Who Arted. Um, the podcast is called Art Smarts. The idea behind Art Smart is to help people to be more thoughtful creators and consumers of the visual arts by focusing on the elements of art and the principles of design. Because I know so many of my listeners are fellow art teachers, I decided that this would be the perfect time to release this series, which can be a wonderful resource for the classroom. And because I know so many people are facing uncertain situations with the Omicron variant rising and some places going remote and all of that, um, I decided to release the first seven episodes all at once so you can check Check out Art Smart on Spotify, Pocket Cast, Google Podcast, Castbox, Breaker, Stitcher, Radio Public, pretty much all of the major platforms that are out there. And since this is a new podcast, please do me a favor, help others find the show. Please rate or review the show on your favorite podcast app. And now I'm going to play the Art Smart episode on color. Welcome to Art Smart from Who Arted. I'm your host, Kyle Wood. Whether you're an artist or an art lover, I am here to help you be a more thoughtful creator and consumer of the visual arts. I don't know, does that sound pretentious enough? Today, we're going to be talking about color. As a child, I remember being in a science class and struggling to understand light and color. The idea that white light has all the colors of the rainbow in it was just too mind-blowing for me to comprehend. On its face, it seemed absurd because my experience destroying my watercolor sets told me that if I mixed all the colors together, it would turn black. So how could all the colors come together to make white light? Throughout my life, this has been a rabbit hole I love to explore. First off, what is color? Every color is basically just a different wavelength of light. 
The average person's eye has three different cones that are sensitive to light in a range of wavelengths. When we think about the rainbow going from red to purple, the red end is lower energy with longer wavelengths and the violet end is higher energy with shorter wavelengths. I say shorter wavelengths are higher energy because basically the short wavelength means the action is repeating more in the same span. Now, for those three cones in our eyes, one is sensitive to the red end of the light spectrum, one cone picks up the mid-range, basically the green bit, and the third cone is sensitive to wavelengths in the blue end of the light spectrum. Our eyes see all colors as a mixture of red, green, and blue. Those are called the additive primary colors. When adding different types of colored light, whether in our eyes or in the screens we keep those eyes glued to, we are mixing the additive primaries to make our colors. Painting, printmaking, and all sorts of the other more traditional artistic processes use subtractive color. The way you might understand subtractive color is to think of a white piece of paper. White light seems so bright because it has the energy of the full range of all different wavelengths of light mixed together, and when we see the white paper, it looks bright because all of the light energy bounces off that paper and goes into our eyes. We see all the light and our brain tells us it is white. Now, if I spread some red paint on there, the red pigment absorbs or soaks up a lot of that light energy. It actually subtracts or takes away some of the light, but the red wavelengths of light bounce off the red pigments and go into our eyes. The red cone in our eyes detects that wavelength of light, and we see red. Interestingly, the reason fluorescent colors seem so much brighter to us is because the rainbow is just the visible light spectrum. There are wavelengths of light that are outside the range that our eyes can see. Infrared is below the red end, and ultraviolet is even higher energy than the violet end of the spectrum. The reason fluorescent colors seem brighter than regular colors is because they reflect the visible light, the color we can see, but they also transmit the energy from the ultraviolet light, meaning that those fluorescent colors are giving off more light energy than the standard color. Now, that science is a bit over my head, so I'm going to stop at that point, and we can go to some other practical things that you should know about color. The traditional primary colors are red, yellow, and blue. This color model works pretty well for the most part, but if you've ever been disappointed by the mixture of red and blue, here's why. The actual subtractive primaries are cyan, magenta, and yellow. Cyan and magenta are similar but slightly different from red and blue. For those young artists experimenting with color, magenta is a little bit more pink and cyan is closest to turquoise. To mix a nice violet, try using magenta or pink instead of red. Now, let's shift a little bit away from how color is created and processed to the effects that color has on a work of art. Numerous modern artists spent the bulk of their careers exploring color. While Mark Rothko said his work wasn't about color, rather emotions, he was attempting to convey those emotions through color fields. 
We hear all sorts of associations with color, whether it's warm colors, generally defined as reds, oranges, and yellows, which people connect with warm things like fire in the sun, or cool colors, generally defined as green, blue, and purple, which people associate with water and ice. We're taught that warm colors will make something feel more happy and energetic, whereas cool colors will make a piece feel calm and peaceful. Some say a neutral palette, black, whites, grays, which are considered neither warm nor cool, will make something feel more sterile and intellectual. I would actually argue, however, that the meaning of color is really in the eye of the beholder. Color has no intrinsic meaning or universal associations. The common associations I just explained are commonly taught and then artists utilize the colors in those ways, like Picasso with his blue period. Then audiences are taught why he used blue, and it's a cycle that reinforces itself. Symbolism can vary significantly over time and across cultures. Interestingly, everybody perceives color somewhat differently, and their associations with different colors, much like their associations with different people, places, and things, are based as much on what they have learned as what they have experienced. Still, I do want to wrap this longer-than-usual episode with a cheat sheet on color that's rooted in fact and more universal. Opposite colors are called complementary colors. When complementary colors are put next to each other, they create high contrast with vibrant effects that makes each color seem a little bit brighter. If complementary colors are mixed, however, they fight against each other, forming a dull neutral. The traditional complementary color pairings would be red and green, blue and orange, and yellow and purple. While we are often taught the primary colors are red, yellow, and blue, those are just one set of primary colors and probably not the best for working with. Modern science tells us the best primary colors to use for subtractive methods such as painting and printmaking would be cyan, magenta, and yellow. Often our printer inks will use cyan, magenta, yellow, and black. Black is added simply because it is more cost-effective to have a black ink than to constantly mix all three of those primaries to create a black. The additive primary colors are red, green, and blue. Those are the colors that our eyes work with, and those are the colors that our screens work with. Finally, to create a harmonious color scheme, it is a good idea to mix analogous colors. Analogous colors are the colors that are next to each other in the rainbow. Analogous colors are very similar to each other and they will blend nicely together. Just as complementary colors will create high contrast that seems brighter, bolder, more energetic, an analogous color scheme will tend to make things seem a little bit more unified, soothing, peaceful, and tranquil. I hope you enjoyed that episode of the Art Smart Podcast. It is available now on pretty much all the major platforms, and new episodes will be popping into the feed on Wednesdays. I've put a link to the Spotify page of Art Smart on the show notes here. Please, as I said, leave a rating and help others find the show.